across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Good morning, good to have you along with us. Well, there's just a huge amount of movement going on in the electricity space at the moment, and there are lots of little moving parts or big moving parts to it. So yesterday... Eskom warned again it's going to be a very tough winter. There have been some predictions of stage six load shedding literally all winter. The electricity minister, Josienzo Romacorpa, has said there's no way load shedding could end this year. But then the energy minister, Gweta Mantashe, said, as I understand it, in at least two interviews yesterday, that load shedding could end this year, but only if proposals like the car power ships were taken seriously. Then... As far as I know, the electricity minister still does not have formal powers and is reported to have told the NEC of the ANC he needs those powers to end load shedding, while Mantashe, again as I understand it, has said he must keep the powers he has to procure energy, to determine energy policy. In the middle of all of this, Eskom still does not have a CEO, its former CEO, and it rated you to speak in Parliament today and is going to say that at least one billion rand is stolen every month from Eskom and that's a conservative estimate. Well, someone who knows Eskom very well is Jacob Morocco, a former CEO there. Mr. Morocco, good morning and thank you for your time on SAFM. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Just before we go any further, and it's really not my intention to put you in a difficult position, but I know there's a short list of five people for the job of CEO. Uh, your hat was in the ring a while ago. Is it in the ring again now? Look, I'd rather not discuss uh, those matters. I think uh, the Eskom uh, will deal with all of those things. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll I'll read something into my tea leaves and probably get it wrong, but okay. Um, Minister Romacorpa appointed a minister a weeks ago now and still doesn't have formal power. And from what we can see from the political reporting on this, it looks like a fight between Josienzo Romacorpa and Greta Mantashe. How important is this issue? Well. <sighs> Look, I, I, I don't necessarily, I mean, the way they've explained it, I don't think it's a fight. I think it's a, it's a matter of a dialogue that will end up with uh, road clarity um, in relation to, you know, what is the, the powers of the Minister of Electricity, uh, because his role is, is really to implement the energy plan that was announced uh, in July last year. So the question is, you know, what powers does he have? You need to be um, formally assigned powers. And um, yeah, I think I, I don't see it as a fight as more role clarity that now this position has been uh, has been filled. Should Romacorpa have have all of the power? I mean, it would make sense to me. The president said the Minister of Electricity would be an overall charge of fixing the problem. He would have the power to procure energy. That, that would sort of one would follow from the other for me. But the energy minister is in charge of policy. And I mean, if, where would does that leave the energy minister? So so who, I mean, who do you think should have the power then here? Look, look, I think, I, I think, look, when you look at the energy minister, you know, department, I mean, in the bigger uh, departments of mineral energy, it's got a lot of responsibilities around energy, which is bigger than electricity. It's got powers around, um, you know, the, the the energy the energy planning, the electricity planning, the regulation, NASA. So so it's, it's got a huge amount of power, and electricity is just one of them. Now the issue I think with the Minister of Electricity, you know, he's he is focusing mainly on the issues that are directed at ending load shedding, which is, a, I think, a narrow portion. And I think between, between, between the two, they will be able to, to, to be clear what powers does he, he needs. And I think I've, I've had the, the both ministers speak, and I think they probably will, you know, will find each other in terms of what are the powers that are required 
uh, for uh, for the Minister of Electricity to end load shedding, and if it even it means uh, in its emergency procurement powers um, focused at load shedding, that may be the powers that then he gets. I mean, because yesterday Ramakopa said at a future energy conference, they're looking at what he called a sort of mega bid window of 15,000 megawatts of renewable energy. And that's huge. We only have 6,000 megawatts of renewable energy installed right now over the last 12 years. It's a massive thing. Uh, and I don't know if he has the power to announce it, but that's what he said. Would it be possible to implement that, do you think? 15,000 megawatts of renewable energy? Uh, from what I understand, the grid actually doesn't have the capacity to take that power at the moment. Uh, yes. Look, I, 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 I read into that. I mean, I read into his statement two things. Firstly, you understand, I mean, you know that he has said, look, we need to review the the exit of coal stations given our emergency. But we should also um, show the world that we're still committed to decarbonization. So uh, what I read into it is that two things. We need to still focus on our energy security and, and, and the immediate emergency, but we still need to, in the long term, indicate that we, we committed to a decarbonization. So in a massive rollout of renewables, that is the statement. Now, whether it's 15,000 or not, uh, in, in, in one shot is neither here nor there. Your second point about whether renewables, whether you know the, the greatest capacity to absorb renewables, I think that is a big issue. Um, and, and, and the current grid obviously was built for a different configuration where you, you know, you source electricity from, you know, very concentrated sources and distribute across the country. Now, with renewables is the opposite. You sourcing from many sources and you distribute across the country. So for that, you need a very different type of grid, a grid that uh, is spread across. Now. We now know that the, 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 the areas that are more you know, endowed with, uh, uh, with the uh, renewable sources, solar and wind, were the ones which have been prioritized and grid, grid there is, is constrained. But there are still other regions in the country where the grid is not constrained. And as I understand it, the next procurement will be region specific that they will say we will only be looking at these provinces where we know we still have grid capacity. So that's how they're going to solve it. So that's how I understand it, Stephen. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, 15,000 megawatts. I mean, I get accused of being a fan of renewable energy from time to time by all sorts of people. Some people accuse me of other things. But even I thought 15,000 megawatts is a huge amount. Yeah, yes. I, I look, I mean, obviously, you know, procured over time, you know, but, but I think the message for me, what I'm hearing is acceleration of renewables, uh, in, in, with, with, with you know, size and speed, and and for that, of course, you need to gear up in terms of um, you know the grid capacity and associated infrastructure. But let me make this point uh, again about renewables and non-renewables because you know we get caught up in the debate between fossil and renewables. The issue is that we need to understand um, you know you know the limits of renewables in this current in the current technological development. Now you, you're not going to replace megawatt by megawatt um, renewables um, and you know uh, coal renewables you need to build an infrastructure um, you know battery storage um, you know um, um, people are talking about gas things that we we still don't have now to be able to say we can actually now reduce our coal dependence because if you don't do that you can't just run an economy or a a power grid only on renewables without supporting mm. storage and other 
what is called flexibility resources. So I think there's still a lot to be done to, to, to migrate towards uh, uh, renewables. I mean, I've heard you, you sort of need three um, solar megawatts for every coal megawatt. It's <laughs> one way of sort of looking at it. Um, no, I think, Stephen, uh, Stephen that mm. is even wrong because there isn't a formula for, you know, for sure. dispatchable versus renewable. It's contextual, sure. depends on the technology, depends on many things. So, so that is even also wrong. Mm. No one knows exactly because it, 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 it depends on many things. The issue of keeping the coal-fired power stations going, um, Ramakorpa wants to do that. It looks like the ANC wants to do that. Eskom's outgoing chief operating officer, Jan Oberholtz, I, I presume you and he may know each other, I don't know. Um, he says that uh, it's probably worthwhile, but it'll take a lot of work to make it worthwhile to get enough energy out of them. Where do you stand on this? Uh, look, yes. Um, you, you must understand, I think the, the, the point of departure is that we've got enough capacity in South Africa with the coal power station to supply the demand. The problem is the performance. And what is behind the, 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 the poor performance is you know, some of them are old, some of them is maintenance, but some of them are new, is poor design. So the issue is really you know, quantifying what it will take from a time and cost perspective to bring those power stations to a correct level of performance and once you quantify that and you've you know put it put it, put the money and resources it can be done so so i agree that um i think an accelerated exit of coal when you've got a power crisis is not rational and prudent so so reviewing that so that you can still have power stations that are properly running which can be extended do that if the cost allow and the uh, and the resources allow and the issue of corruption, I mean, you would have seen Andre de Reiter's comments, and again, we understand he's going to say today that, uh, you know, a billion rand is being stolen from Eskom every month. Um, from outside Eskom, I mean, I'm not in Eskom, but, but do you think it's possible that it could be that high? It's a huge amount of money. Look, I mean, I've been out of Eskom for probably 13, 13 years, so I, w- I wouldn't know that. Um, but those are the things that I think, um, as, as everybody says, that I think they require specific investigations to quite to quantify and um, and i think you know those those authorities that have got the power to investigate should help us in that and quantify that but for me you know we shouldn't be distracted by by those issues i think i think i think i don't believe that the entire escom you know um, organization is is corrupt beyond um, uh, repair there are many stations and many units in escom that are performing very well, even in some of the power stations, and to an extent that the the, the employees of Eskom can you know can be you know can be empowered, um, and um, um, as Ramakopa said, to you know to 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 know that they matter in the resolution of this challenge. I think people will rise up, and I think they'll also have to deal with those issues of corruption because you know you can't police every employee, but the employees can actually protect the institution if they are empowered to do so. Jacob Marocha, I really appreciate the time. Thank you very much indeed for your views this morning. Jacob Marocha, as you know, former CEO at Eskom. Uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll find reasons to speak to him again in the future.